What's up, Fight Fans? Welcome to Take Your Shot with me, Matias Burbell. Awesome episode lined up for you guys today. We will recap UFC 254 with MMA Junkie John, a.k.a. John Morgan from MMAJunkie.com in USA Today. We're going to have him on as a guest in round two, and we're going to do some recap. We're going to talk about UFC Vegas, Anderson Silva against Uriah Hall coming up on Saturday. And like I said, recap UFC 254. But first thing is first, I'll give you guys my take on the whole entire event and what happened this Saturday because it was legendary and it was memorable. Khabib Nurmagomedov was able to choke out Justin Gaethje via triangle choke in the beginning part of the second round. And after that, Khabib decided to retire from the UFC and the world of MMA. Not like he's moving to other pr- promotions. He is done with fighting. He did what he needed to do. He did out what he set out to do and became the pound-for-pound very best fighter in the world at the moment. Must have been his father's dream for him to accomplish this thing when he started training against bears at such a young age in Dagestan, Russia. Uh, Very memorable night in the UFC and around the world of MMA. Khabib Nurmagomedov will always be remembered as one of the best to ever do it and one of the best grapplers, if not the best grappler in the world. And people will have to do a lot of heavy lifting in order to get up anywhere close to where he just finished off. Uh, Just a truly remarkable career, finishing off great athlete after great athlete and just doing it his way the entire time. I wanted to make that clear. That's what made Khabib so great is that he did things his way. Not anybody else's way. It was him and his father that set out to do what they wanted to do, and they did not hesitate. They did not go a different path. If anything, the craziest thing Khabib ever did in the world of MMA was jumping over the octagon and going after Dylan Dennis and kind of creating that whole entire media frenzy and the Conor McGregor getting jumped and pretty much the bad blood between Conor McGregor and Khabib Nurmagomedov. You know, that that's the only thing that I think Khabib wishes he did differently just because Khabib is a man of principle. Khabib is a man who always stuck to the things that he said. And based on the way that he lives his life, I don't think he would ever uh, jump over a cage to attack people when there's fans around. And, and on how crazy just that scene was years ago, uh, Khabib will not be remembered for that whatsoever. That's definitely going to be a little black mark. But he will be remembered for how great he was at martial arts and how strong of a grappler that guy was and how he would finish his fights with nonstop pressure trying to get you to the ground. Just remarkable athlete. And it makes me sad to know that we probably won't be able to see Khabib back in the octagon for the rest of our lives. But that's just the way that it goes. More stars will emerge And hopefully we find another man like Khabib, another man of principle, and just a humble role model like Khabib. And to go on with the show, I wanted to get that off my chest. Khabib Nurmagomedov retires at 29-0. What a career. And where does that leave Justin Gaethje? (laughs) I guess that leaves him as the champ, doesn't it? Because he was the interim lightweight champion of the world, and he lost to the undisputed lightweight champion of the world, who then retired after he beat Justin Gaethje. So I guess that means Justin is the champion. Or am I wrong? It certainly doesn't feel like Justin Gaethje is the champion. It feels like we should have a Grand Prix. That's what it should feel like. It should feel like we should do a Grand Prix with Michael Chandler, 
with Conor McGregor, with Dustin Poirier, and obviously Justin the Highlight Gaethje. That is what should happen. But by paper, Justin Gaethje is the interim champion still. And the other three are going to be playing catch-up. But it doesn't feel like that. Just wanted, just wanted to throw that out there that we have a tumble in the lightweight division. And somebody's going to have to come out as a champion. Uh, other news around the lightweight division. Conor McGregor wrote on Twitter after Khabib's win that he that he's not going to chase after Khabib anymore. Enjoy his retirement. And, you know, condolences to his father. To not just him, but to his whole entire family. Uh, kind words from Conor McGregor after so many th- hate, hated things that he said towards Khabib, his family, his religion, his friends. The list goes on. Conor McGregor goes out on top with that comment he made on Twitter. But now his focus is on Dustin Poirier, who that's gonna you know who he beat prior in the featherweight division. This is gonna be part two. I don't think it's gonna be much different. And I'm pretty sure we're going to have to see Conor McGregor and Justin Gaethje go at it for the undisputed lightweight championship of the belt uh, of the world unless Dustin Poirier uh, throws a wrench in that plan. Michael Chandler will probably be on the outside looking in considering he just moved over from Bellator. Uh, some people say it's the B-Leagues. Uh, I'm not going to go down that far. But at the same time, I do think Michael Chandler needs to get a win or two uh, and then he'll be thrown into that uh, lightweight championship belt mix. But for now, enjoy the ride, Michael Chandler. Go fight Tony Ferguson. And if you win that fight, you get you you are thrown in the mix, my friend. That is for sure. Moving on on what happened this past weekend at UFC 254. Robert Whitaker got a big-time win against Jared Cannonier. He outstruck him 75-58. to 58. He landed more significant strikes than Jared Cannonier, 69 compared to just 53 for Cannonier. And Whitaker had an amazing fight, a, a very skilled tactical fight for Whitaker who landed a vicious knockdown with his uh, head kick towards Jared Cannonier, a, a kick that he is disguised time after time against guys like Cedric Brunson, against guys like Jacare Souza. He is a master of disguising that kick, and he did it again to Jared Cannonier and dropped him. The fight got really interesting towards the end of round three, where Jared Cannonier was actually fighting with a broken arm, which Robert Whitaker broke in the beginning stages of round one. Jared came out after the fight and let everybody know that he had broke his, broken his arm in round one. What a tough warrior to actually keep fighting and to keep going all out and to try to get that victory, which he almost accomplished with about 30 seconds left in round three Jared Cannonier was able to land a stiff jab to Robert Whitaker which definitely shook him up but Rob did the right thing and put Jared against the cage after that and kind of just wound down the time to the point where Jared Cannonier would not be able to knock out Robert Whitaker because that is the only way that he was going to win Rob gets a great victory but more importantly throws himself right into the discussion of possibly getting a rematch against Israel Adesanya Robert was very humble in victory after the fight, saying that all he was worried about now was going home, back to his country in Australia, and being able to spend the holidays with his son and do the whole Christmas thing with the family, and then they will talk business and do it the Robert Whitaker way. He definitely deserves a rematch against Izzy. Let's not forget that Robert that Robert Whitaker is a former champion, and he has just fought animal after animal. He is one of the best to ever do it in the middleweight division. That is for sure. I would love to see a rematch take place. 
Moving on, more down the line. Walt Harris goes down to Alexander Volkov. Volkov landed four, 45 strikes compared to Harris's 16. He used his jab to perfection and figured out his timing and distance throughout round one. Alexander Volkov looked fantastic. Just fantastic. He landed a perfect kick to the solar plex of Harris, which ultimately broke Harris. And that was it. You know, Harris now drops a 6, 8, and 1 in the UFC. Volkov is now 6 and 2 in the UFC. And he's now looking for a big time fight the way that he beat up Walt Harris. And I think that both of these guys, uh, not both of these guys, excuse me, I think that Volkov will actually be matched up against Alistair Overeem next. And the only thing that they have in common right now is that they just both beat. Uh, Walt Harris in their previous fights. Volkov just beat him this weekend. Overeem beat Harris, uh, what was it, two months ago, it feels like, at uh, at, at UFC Vegas uh, during the pandemic. I think that they should match these guys up right away and, and see what happens. Moving on down the line, Magomed Ankalaev is a real light heavyweight contender now after destroying Ian Kuntalaba and landing a vicious punch combo, which put Kuntalaba to sleep. We don't really get to see that all that much. Ian Kuntalaba usually does the sleeping when it comes to his fights just because of his pressure and his power, but he found a guy who just has better hands and has better timing and is just a better martial artist, and that is Magomed Ankalaev. You know, the guy destroyed Ian Kuntalaba and definitely puts himself into the mix uh, Ian Kuntalaba now gets to take a step back, and I guess you can say he is some sort of a gatekeeper to the top 15 of the light heavyweight division. The guy is definitely a dangerous fighter, but when it comes down to just simple boxing, in my opinion, and just timing with his hands and, and not being as uber-aggressive, maybe he will take a step up to kind of throw himself back into that top 15, but now he sees himself on the outside looking in. In more fun fights happening at UFC 254 that happened this past weekend. Tai Tuavasa snaps his three fight losing skid and finally gets to do a celebratory shoey. Not in the octagon. He got to do it in the back. We all saw it. Tuivasa manhandled Stefan Struve, or Stefan Struve, rather, and landed 48 strikes compared to just 13 for Stefan Struve. Tuivasa seemed to have Struve hurt multiple times in round one, but ultimately finished him with an uppercut towards the last 10 seconds of round one. And that was the fight. Tuivasa now throws himself back in the mix uh, of, you know, I guess top 20 heavyweights and see what happens after that because Tuivasa definitely worked on his takedown defense. Daniel Cormier mentioned that during the broadcast and said that he worked with Tai Tuivasa a bit and, and helped him pretty much work on that takedown defense because against Sergei Spivak in his previous fight, uh, Tai Tuivasa was being taken down with ease. It was very easy, easily, you know, it was easy to watch Tai Tuivasa get taken down against uh, not top 10, not top 15 material like Sergey Spivak. So people were a little concerned about Tai Tuivasa and, and what he was going to become because the future was definitely bright when he was knocking guys out left and right. And next thing you know, he goes on this skid and he wasn't really getting much better. Not the case. We saw improvements and we saw that power for Tai Tuivasa. Definitely excited to see who he gets next in the heavyweight picture. Fight of the night goes to Casey Kenny and Nathaniel Wood. The UFC thought so as well. We spoke about this last week, and we also thought that the former LFA champ, Casey Kenny, 
and the former Cage Warrior champion and uh, in Nathaniel Wood in England would go at it, and that's exactly what happened. 130, 136 significant strikes landed for Nathaniel Wood compared to only 123 only. Only 123 uh, strikes for Casey Kenny. But Casey Kenny also landed two takedowns in that fight and was pressuring the fight uh, a lot, especially in round three. And he eventually got the nod. I, I wouldn't have mi- minded this fight go to a draw. I rewatched it yesterday and I thought that it was too tight to really call. Uh, it was a damn good fight, without a doubt. Damn good fight. Lots of strikes thrown. Pressure on for pressure, pressure for both of those fighters. Nonstop pressure going forward. Well, you know, if you want to kind of use one word to describe that fight, I would say activity, and then after that, I would say pressure. Both guys look fantastic, in my opinion. Both actually win uh, when it comes to that fight because it, it, it was very beautiful to watch. You know, the guy, those guys are definitely going to make a splash in the division, and they're going to just keep moving forward. Nathaniel Wood had some great counters, excellent shots landed on Casey Kenny, but Casey Kenny just showed a warrior spirit, and he did not stop. Simple as that. The guy did not stop, and he was fantastic. That is why he won. Can't wait to see both of those guys fight again. Definitely good things to come for both of these fighters. I left the newcomer for last. Shavkat Rachmanov remains undefeated and is now 1-0 in the UFC. The Kazakhstan native uses grappling and his strength to his advantage against Alex Oliveira and ultimately finished him with a guillotine choke. Oliveira now falls to 11-1-7 in the UFC and snaps his two-fight winning streak. Oliveira hasn't been able to win that over-the-edge type fight against high-level grapplers that still give him trouble. We spoke about this last week, and I kind of predicted this to happen to Alex. It was a fight he probably shouldn't have taken, but it's a new guy around the block, and that's just what he's going to... You know, that's just... He has to take that fight. You know, at the same time, I would rather see Alex go against these types of fighters that are going to bring the fight to him and they're going to trade in the middle. That is where he has the best success. Even if he's losing, you know, it's like he wins because of how great of a fight he is. He gets performance bonuses. But against these grapplers, look, I'm all for testing your abilities and trying to get to the top. And that's what Alex Oliveira is trying to do is he's trying to get himself into the top and he wants to try to chase that belt. But I think this puts another big time stop in that goal that he wants because Shavkat, you know, a newcomer to the UFC, a guy that Alex should have beaten considering how many UFC fights Alex has. Not the case. Not the case whatsoever. Uh, I feel bad for Alex because he, he has one of the best walkouts, you know, that I've seen. I'm all about the salsa. I'm all about the Latino vibe. And he had the best song walking out all the time that just had me dancing in my living room every single time before he fights. So I'll always root for Alex Oliveira, without a doubt. But stay away from the grapplers, Alex. Stay away from the grapplers and just keep getting wins against guys that you're going to trade in the middle with. That's the best thing that could happen. Guys, we're going to be talking to John Morgan right around the corner, and we're going to be talking about the upcoming UFC card in Vegas. Anderson Silva will be retiring, and this will be his last fight. Anderson has lost six out of his last fight, six out of his last eight fights. His last win came February 11th against uh, Derek Brunson. I think I said Cedric earlier, excuse me, against Derek Brunson, a staple to the middleweight division. Silva had 16 consecutive UFC victories before snapping that skid against Chris Weidman years ago. The guy is 
definitely, definitely one of the best to ever do it. You could argue that he's the best middleweight to ever live. We could have that conversation for another day. You know, will Anderson beat Uriah Hall? That's a question that we will have the answers to after the weekend. But also the co-main event, Bryce Mitchell against Andre Touchy Feely. Bryce Mitchell, four-fight winning streak in the UFC. He's undefeated. Made a a splash in the Ultimate Fighter. Definitely a character from Arkansas. I can't wait to see him fight, but he's fighting a pretty tough name in Andre Feely, who's 9-6 and six in the UFC, 21-7 and seven overall. He's won three out of his last four against pretty damn good competition. And Charles Jourdain, Shaman Moraes, Miles Jury, and his latest loss against Sadiq Youssef in that mix. The guy throws hands, but he's going to have to win this fight uh, standing up and not on the ground because if he gets this fight to the ground, excuse me, if Bryce Mitchell gets this fight to the ground, be looking for Bryce to stay on top. The guy is a tremendous grappler, a tremendous wrestler, and you can bet your ass that he's going to be trying to do that against Andre Touchy-Feely come Saturday. Last but not least, don't forget about the Bellator fights. This coming Thursday on CBS Sports Network, the Phenom Lima takes on Gegard Musasi. In my opinion, Probably the two best fighters that Bellator has to offer. You don't want to miss that fight. That fight, you could call it the fight of the weekend, even though it's on a weekday. But don't miss that fight. CBS Sports Network this Thursday. Gegard Musasi against the Phenom Lima. The Lima brothers, you'll be back in action. And you got to love some Lima in your fight game. All right, guys. That's it for now. We'll be back with round two. John Morgan is coming up hot right after this. Stay tuned. This is Take Your Shot with me, Matias Burbell. What's up, fight fans? Welcome to Take Your Shot with me, Matias Burbell. Awesome guest lined up for you guys today. Great friend of the show, John Morgan is on with us today. You can follow John on Twitter at MMA Junkie John. Also, his work at MMA Junkie. John just got back from a five-week, not vacation, from a five-week trip from Abu Dhabi where he covered all of the UFC fights in Abu Dhabi. Welcome back to the States, my friend. Pleasure to be back in the States, man. Happy to be here. It was a good time uh, being over there. Obviously, it's it's great to cover a little bit of history, but uh, it's nice to be sleeping in my own bed and hanging out with my family again. I'm sure, man. I'm sure. And I, I guess first question, before we just jump to UFC 254 and recap a little bit and talk about UFC Vegas coming up this Saturday, uh, I guess since you covered all the fights, what, which couple of fights out of all the fights that you covered stand out to you the most? Well, I mean, it's the big ones, of course. I mean, there were some great ones. Obviously, the Joaquin Buckley, like one of the greatest highlights you'll ever <laughs> see. I mean, of course, that's going to stand out. But, you know, when you're talking about the title fights, when you're talking about you know, a masterful performance from, from Israel Adesanya, you know, just absolutely dominating Paulo Costa and really uh, just, you know, just showing how how dominant he can be in that division. I mean, that was amazing. Of course, you know, you wrap it all up with, with Habib Nurmagomedov uh, and, and apparently his retirement fight. You know what I mean? It was it was a, a phenomenal performance as well. And to know that, hey, that might have been the last time we ever see him fight. Uh, pretty crazy, man. Pretty crazy. No, you're 100% right, man. It was definitely a crazy five weeks. Khabib retiring after his win against Justin Gaethje is not something I expected. I thought Khabib wanted to get to 30-0. And obviously, the Paulo Costa-Israel Adesanya fight that you brought up did not think that Adesanya would literally maul, absolutely maul, Paulo Costa the way that he did. Adesanya, I think, puts himself in a position to possibly be called the best middleweight to ever live after a couple more title defenses just based on on, uh, on his production, who he has beaten over the last couple of years. But with that said, 
you know, I guess this is, it's a good time to just kind of swing this over real quick since we're talking about the middleweight division in Adesanya. Anderson Silva fights this weekend, and he's going to be retiring from the UFC. And lots of people will always argue and will always claim that Anderson Silva is the best middleweight to ever live. Yeah, you have to. I mean, right now, for sure, as you said, Israel Adesanya, if he continues on this path that he's on, and if he's able to, you know, re- retire undefeated the way uh, Habib did, which is just absolutely unheard of. I mean, you got to put him in the argument as well. But, and, and listen, I mean, Israel has a lot of respect for Anderson Silva also. So it's not as if you're going to hurt his feelings by, by talking about it. But, you know, listen, it, it's, it's sad, I think, probably to some newer fans who his prime. I mean, that's the hard part when you start talking about like all-time legacies and that sort of thing is is guys that, that maybe hang on too long, you know what I mean? And they, they yeah. kind of kind of tarnish what we, what we remember them as. But when you go back to Anderson Silva in his prime, I mean, he was nearly unbeatable. The, the, the skills that he brought to the table were phenomenal. And, you know, listen, he's, he's still in the record books for, you know, title defenses and those sort of things. I mean, um, his streak is, is unbelievable. So, uh, yeah, you, you can't have the, the – to me, honestly, you can't have the conversation of greatest of all time, period, without at least mentioning Anderson Silva's name, but, but certainly if you're talking about the middleweight division. We are talking to John Morgan from MMA Junkie. MMA Junkie, don't get that twisted. And also, you can follow John on Twitter, at MMA Junkie John. John was in Abu Dhabi for five weeks covering all the fights, so we have a lot of things to get to. But like you said, Anderson Silva – all those title defenses, you obviously always have to put him in the discussion for, for one of the greatest MMA fighters to ever live. And let's not forget to add this. He had 16 consecutive UFC victories before snapping that skid against Chris Weidman when he, lo- when he finally lost the belt. But I just remember, you know, because I was living in Hawaii for years, working for ESPN Honolulu, covering Max Holloway. And I remember Max chasing Anderson Silva and those consecutive wins. And every single time Max had a fight, I was just holding my shorts thinking, oh, is this going to be the one where he gets unlucky? And Max unsuccessfully was, was you know, he was unable to get to that 16-win uh, streak that Anderson Silva had. And this goes to show you how amazing you have to be to get 16 consecutive wins. And, and that's not just luck. That is so much skill. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's, it's you know, of course, that's the thing we love about MMA, right? Styles make fights, right? I mean, the, the matchups, you know, could, could prove problematic. You may through, you know, you may tear through everybody, but there's one guy who just seems to have your number for whatever reason and the way you guys match up. And, to, you know, to not run into that is amazing. And like you said, I mean, just freak things happen. I mean, that's that's why, you know, until until Habib never made off, we, you know, we always say, look, everybody loses in MMA. And it, it's still the case for the most part. I mean, you're going to lose if you compete in the sports and not have an off night, to not, you know, suffer an injury in a fight, to not, uh, again, to, to, to not just find a guy that just seems to have your number. I mean, it's, it's incredible. So, you know, when we talk about streaks like that, uh, they, they really are phenomenal. It's tough to put together, you know, five, six, seven, eight fight winning streaks. Now you're talking about doubling that in the UFC. It's, uh, it's pretty unbelievable. You make me think of, of fighters that, that have an injury in a fight that's kind of like a freak accident that's not supposed to happen, and their leg kind of gives out. Obviously, Michael Chandler comes to mind since we just saw Michael Chandler all around the TV screens, not fighting, but he was there at U- as a replacement. When he actually lost his belt against Brett Primus for Bellator, he got kicked in the foot and he had some nerve damage, and there he goes. You know, he couldn't get back up. The ref calls the fight, and Mike Chandler loses his belt. But then he was walking around, running around 20 minutes later. There you go. I mean, to, to never have just a freak occurrence like that happen to you during during your UFC career. I mean, it's uh, 
it's wild. So yeah, listen, I, I understand if anybody's just seeing, you know, the 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 the, the you know forty year old plus Anderson Silva, that's the only time you got to see him. I can understand if if you may question, you know, why people have such reverence. But man, if you go back and watch the tape and and see what he put together and and, and understand, you know, what type of performances he turned in uh, time after time, you, you really have to respect this place all time. We are talking to John Morgan from MMA Junkie. Uh, John was able to cover so many great fights. You know, week after week after week, you got to see the middleweight championship belt of the world. You got to see Holly Holm Aldana. You got to see Marais and Sanhagen bang it off. The featherweights or taking the Korean zombie and just recently Khabib and Gaethje. You've literally been covering so many different big time weight class fights every single week. Which weight class do you right now is the most exciting to the point where it's just like this weight class is, uh, you know, uh, there's a bunch of wolves in this weight class, and anybody can be champion. What, what's the best weight class right yeah, now? For me, honestly, man, I like the bantamweight division. I mean, there's so many names there, but but really, it's all those lighter weight classes. Man, featherweight is on fire right now. You know, you talk about that Ortega and Zombie fight. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned you know a lot of names in the bantamweight division as well. I mean, I, I like where where Sanhagen is at. You know, Aljamain and Yan is going to be good. I mean, there's just so many names. Um, I, I like the lighter weight classes because to me. You know, they, they just they, they have the energy, they have the stamina, they can go the full time. They're 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 more dynamic. I mean, yeah, when you know at heavyweight and light heavyweight, that's where you see some of the most brutal knockouts. You know, you think of like a Francis Ngannou or something like that. And of course, that's always going to be what gets the biggest reward from the crowd. But when you talk about some of those lighter weight classes, man, I really like the dynamic aspect of it, the way they can transition so seamlessly from from grappling to striking to to all aspects of it, man, and and, and not tire over the course of of three or even five rounds. Um, I, I'm really a big fan of those lighter weight classes. John, it sounds like you're still thinking about that Nathaniel Wood and Casey Kenny fight then. Yeah. This past weekend at UFC 254. There you go. I mean, two guys that aren't even necessarily in title contention right now, but both of them have, you know, a future in the division and, and they combine for, um, you know, what, what looked on paper to be a potential fight of the night and turned out to be actually that. How many, how many, th- I, th- hold on, I have this written down right here because I did the math. 136 significant strikes landed for Wood. 123 strikes uh, landed for Casey Kenny. Just unbelievable, man. That fight was unbelievable, and I, and I couldn't tell who won that fight. To tell you the truth, I was kind of hoping that that fight would end as a draw. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, no, listen, I thought the right guy was giving the nod, um, but it was exciting from start to finish. I mean, you could tell the pace that they set from right at the start. You knew, like, man, this is going to be something special. And, uh, yeah, it turned out to be, and now you got somebody in Kenny that, um, you know, looks to be a problem in the division, looks to have some meaningful fights coming up next. So, uh, like I said, fun, a lot of fun stuff in that division. Well, we just jumped into UFC 254, so we should stick with UFC, UFC 254. I was so excited to talk about so many different things with you. And you know what? I'm still going to ask one of the questions I've been, I've been waiting to ask you since uh, since you got back. And we'll wait till the very end of the show to actually uh, to get that question in. But let's, text, let's chat some UFC 254, and we'll start from the top. Khabib Nurmagomedov, now 29-0. Retired from the UFC. Only thing that was uh, was kind of crazy to me, not crazy, but was different because the way that he won so flawlessly in the second round with that triangle choke. But the scorecards came out after the fight, and two out of the three refs actually gave Justin Gaethje the first round. Yeah, I was a little surprised at that as well, to be honest with you. I thought that was a Habib round. I mean, I, I guess I get it to a point. Uh, Gaethje, you know, obviously when he lands, uh, he lands a lot cleaner. He's, he's got power, but... Um, to me, yeah, I, I thought Habib was the one, clearly he was the one pushing the pace and moving forward. Uh, his striking, of course, isn't quite as pretty as Justin Gaethje's, but I think he was landing a little bit as well. Uh, you know, he finished on top. He, he nearly had the armbar there. 
uh, right at the end of the first round, but, but ran out of time. So I, I was a little bit surprised at that as well. Um, I think that's probably just a reward for the cleaner strikes that Gaethje landed. Now, most definitely, man. And, and you know what was crazy? Something I noticed uh, towards the end of – not towards the end of the first round. After round one and going to the stool, Justin Gaethje, he looked completely gassed. I, I almost looked at Gaethje. I'm like, he looks gassed already from running away from Khabib and just nonstop pressure that Khabib was putting on Justin. Yeah. It's just, and, and that just goes to show it's really a, a testament to, to Habib's pressure. I mean, Justin Gaethje is a phenomenal athlete. Um, you know, he, he worked hard in preparation for that. You know what I mean? Obviously, he put in the, 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 a championship-level preparation in camp, and, and, and you can see it right away. It's just Habib is a different animal, man. He, he, he keeps up a different pace. He has a different strength. Um, and, and, and people don't, I think, fully grasp it until they get in there with him. And then you go – I mean, you, you, you can generally see the moment uh, on somebody's face where they go – this is uh this is different, man. This is this is this guy is special. That's exactly the kind of facial expression that Justin Gaethje gave after he tapped out to Khabib. It was almost like, you know what, I gave it a shot and now I finally understand what everybody's talking about. It's like a different level that he needs to reach. Yeah, no question. That's why that's that's why really people are paying such homage to 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 Habib right now, man. The guy is just a cut above everybody else. Would you? Well, the UFC just gave him the number one pound for pound ranking, which is the only thing that he asked, uh, you know, after his after his retirement that he gave on Saturday. Do you think that's well deserved? Do you think he should be the number one pound for pound best? Because John Jones, he's he's been on Twitter saying fifteen times I've defended this light heavyweight championship belt, and Khabib's only done it like what four or five. How the hell is he going to be the number one pound for pound? And he makes a good argument, but at the same time, I love Khabib right now. Maybe it's just because of what just happened. <laughs> yeah, no, listen, I mean, first of all, when you start getting into pound for pound, I mean, it's really a fictional ranking anyway, you know what I mean? So I, I try not to commit too much energy to it uh, because you got to realize what you're arguing can never be resolved. So somebody's opinion is going to be their opinion. That said, I think there's a difference between greatest of all time and current pound for pound. And if you're talking about pound for pound, we actually made the same move. We moved Khabib to number one as well at MMA Junkie USA Today. Um, and, and I think that's fair. I mean, right now, you know, you're talking about, you know, three finishes in a row, three dominant defenses of his belt. I mean, while John Jones, you know, he's had some decisions and some controversial decisions at that, you know, some, you know, I, I, I have scored all of his fights for him. So, you know, the Mahetta fight that was close, the Dominic Reyes fight that was close. I, I thought he still deserved the victory, but it is clear that, you know, he wasn't dominating people and, and you can you know decide why that is. But, but I do agree with John in terms, in terms of all time greats. Um, I think John is still that guy because of exactly what he, he laid out on, 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 on social media. As you're talking about, you know, dominance over an extended period of time, and, and he's done that like nobody else. I mean, so, so to me, you know, greatest of all time, I, I still lean towards John Jones. But in terms of pound for pound, number one fighter on the planet right now, um, you got to look at the domination over fellow top-ranked people, and I think you got to reward Habib for that. I completely agree with you and everything you just said when it, uh, with John Jones and Khabib. When you look for pound for pound best, I think you got to give the, the the nod to Khabib right now. But when we're talking about the best ever, I think, yeah, John Jones is definitely the guy right there. And I wouldn't have said that yesterday, but until he started making his argument about those 15 title defenses in the light heavyweight division out of all divisions, I thought to myself, you know, it only takes one to be done yep. in the light heavyweight division. So, you know, the skill and the chin that John Jones has had to have over all those fights is extraordinary and to tell you the truth i don't think we'll ever see that ever again in the division in that division specifically just based on how great mma has gotten over the last years and how the sport has just evolved 
if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I, I would definitely agree. I think John Jones is one of a kind. I mean, listen, uh, there's a lot of people who don't care for the guy because of some of the things he's done outside the cage, and, and I completely understand that. You know, I'm not here to defend his character or tell you you should babysit your kids or whatever, but in terms of being, you know, greatest, greatest fighter of all time, you know, you can't let any personal dislike you might have for the guy, uh, you know, stain the way you're looking at uh, his fighting career because it's pretty special. Oh, man, so many things to move on to with John Morgan from MMAJunkie.com, also part of USA Today. You can follow John on Twitter at MMAJunkieJohn. We're talking some MMA, we're talking some UFC, and we're moving down the line. Another big-time fight this past weekend, the co-main event, Robert Whitaker against Jared Cannonier. Robert Whitaker gets the job done. Lots of people thought he was going to go down, but like I like to tell people, you can't forget, man. You can't forget what somebody was just after a loss. And it seems like people started to fall asleep on Robert Whitaker and what he's done in the UFC and just how great of a martial artist he actually is. And I think he really showed true character and true color in his true colors this past weekend against Jared Cannonier. I just think that he outclassed him and he is on the, the tear for another title shot. Yeah, listen, I mean, I, people have written Whitaker off. There's no question about it. And I understand why, but you, you really can't. I mean, the guy's a, a savvy veteran. He's a former champ. He's beat, you know, who's who over a long length of time. And, uh, you know, he's loving the sport again. You know, he's actually found his passion for it again and found a way to um, to kind of manage the, 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 you know, the family life and the personal life along with his professional career. So um, I, I think he's a dangerous guy in the division. And who knows, you know, maybe he can make adjustments with, without Asanya the second time around. We'll see what happens. I mean, Asanya now talking about potentially moving up to, to light heavyweight. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it all pans out. But, uh Robert Whitaker is somebody that you can't write off that simply. Could you call Robert Whitaker the most humble champion in the UFC the UFC has ever had? Because I don't think I've I've seen a more humble uh, champion in, in my life, man. It's so hard to not like Robert Whitaker. Yeah, he's certainly one of them. I mean, that's the great thing about this sport, man. Is is there are a lot of humble people in it, man. A lot of really good people. Uh, so he certainly is, but. Uh, you know, he's actually he used to really not kind of enjoy talking to the media at all. And I think he's kind of starting to learn to balance that as well and uh, enjoying that process as well. And I think that's allowing us to see a lot more of his personality of who he is as a person. And, uh, and, and that's always nice. You know, we can see that behind the scenes. So, uh, no, he's, he's, a, he's a stud, no question about it. We are talking of John Morgan from MMA Junkie USA Today. You could follow John on Twitter at MMA Junkie John. Doing a little U- UFC 254 recap. Moving on to the last couple fights that I really enjoyed watching. Alex Oliveira went down to Shavkat Rachmanov. Uh, Shavkat, a new, some new blood to the UFC. Excellent grappler from Kazakhstan. Uh, really, really looked very powerful in that fight. Just, you know, takedown defense, but also against the cage. And just the way that he was able to finish Alex Oliveira with that guillotine choke, it, it, it was stunning. Yeah, he's going to be a problem in the division. He's somebody you definitely want to pay attention to. Undefeated record, finished every one of his fights. Uh, dude, dude has got some potential. So if he wasn't on your radar, which is understandable if you're not following, you know, regional, you know, uh, MMA over in the caucuses or whatever, un- understandable. But uh, no, he's he's been doing it for a while, and he's finally able to make his UFC debut. He's he's somebody you're gonna want to pay attention to. John, were you happy to see that Magomed Ankalaev was actually able to fight Ian Kuntalaba without any COVID restrictions <laughs> this time? Yeah, man, that, that was. I was starting to think that fight was cursed, man. Just kept getting rescheduled yeah. over and over and over. But uh, Ankalaev, another guy that. You know, doesn't speak English, so you know, not going to be a, a lot of uh, headlines and social media and marketing and things like that. But he's going to be a problem in that division. You know, if you think about the one fight he lost in the UFC was to Paul Craig, 
um, when he was absolutely just destroying them. And then, and then it was, you know, a Hail Mary submission at the final second. Other than that, unbeaten. And, uh, he, yeah, he's going to be a problem at light heavyweight. Now, light heavyweight division, I think it's a perfect chance to do a Grand Prix. But Dana White, you know, he never listens to me anyway. So, you know, forget <laughs> that guy. <laughs> but I think, I think that Ankalov is definitely going to be a big-time problem in the light heavyweight division. What did you think of Alexander Volkov and his great performance against Walt Harris? Kind of sad to see Walt Harris lose again because of all the things that he's had to endure. Yeah, it was. I don't know how you don't cheer for, for Walt Harris with everything he's had to go through. So, I mean, certainly would have liked to see him, you know, pick up that win that, that he wants. But, uh, you know, Volkov, listen, Volkov is always going to, there's, there's going to be stylistic issues for him. I mean, when he faces like heavy, heavy wrestlers, uh, it's going to be difficult for him. That's just, he's, he's a striker at heart and he's got that tall frame, which makes his legs pretty, pretty easy to pick out. But, uh, but against the right matchups, like he was saying, you know, give me a, give me a junior Dos Santos, give me an Alistair Overeem, give me somebody like that. I mean, he, he can turn in some fun fights. No, he's definitely been putting up some great fights. I would like to see Volkov fight Alistair Overeem next to see what happens in between those with mm -hmm. that fight. I think Alistair Overeem, obviously, uh, on a little bit of a winning streak after that crazy loss that he had against Francis Ngannou, people started counting him out. And he's been taking his fights to the ground lately. But I think, you know, a fight versus Volkov allows Overeem to, to see if he could win another big-time fight against a guy who looked flawless into this past weekend. But it also gives Volkov a chance to kind of fight a guy who maybe he shows the UFC. It's like, I can fight against a guy who's going to try to take me down and beat him. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that'd be a fun matchup between veterans. I, you know, I, I don't know that Volkov's ever going to be a UFC champion, but he's, he's going to, you know, he's going to turn in some fun fights. He's, he's stylistically fun to watch. So, uh, and, he's, and he's practicing English so he, can, uh, so he can communicate with fans a little bit more. So he's trying to get better at that. He's practicing his English, but he's also practicing his back tattoo, man, because I, I, I saw a crazy story. That he got that whole entire back tattoo, that crazy back tattoo that he had, done within five weeks, and he took no breaks because of the training that he had to do. Yeah, no, I said it hurt like hell, too. So, <laughs> But uh, he got it done. It was pretty wild, though, man. That was a pretty crazy piece. It is a crazy piece, man. He had a, he had a great victory. He looked really, really good in there this past weekend. We are talking to John Morgan from MMAJunkie.com. A couple more questions for you, John, before I got to let you go. I know you're a busy guy, and you probably have more interviews lined up coming up hot, and maybe you want to get some sleep. But let's chat about UFC Vegas happening this weekend. We obviously touched up a little bit on it with Anderson Silva uh, taking his retirement fight against Uriah Hall. Is that a good fight for Anderson to, to go off into retirement with? Because Uriah Hall is looking a little tough right now. Yeah, no, I mean, stylistically, it's probably the right fight to pick. You know, somebody that's going to want to strike with them and somebody that should turn in an enter entertaining fight. I mean, they're two styles. I mean, when Uriah Hall, Hall is on, you know, it is very Anderson Silva-esque in some ways, you know, with the, with the creative techniques and his – uh, you know, spinning strikes and, and all that. So, yeah, you know, listen, is it a fight that, that and, and no, it's not, you know, that, but I don't think there are any of those fights anymore, unfortunately for him. And um, that's just what happens when you get in your 40s and, you know, a bunch of young studs are catching up with you, you know, because they've idolized you. So, uh, yeah, overall, I think it, it's a good, it's a good matchup. I, I don't see why anybody else would, uh, you know, w wouldn't agree with this matchmaking here. <laughs> would it be a tearjerker if he gets knocked out with a spinning back kick? Oh, I mean, listen, uh, it, it, it would be tough. I mean, you, you hate to see your heroes go out that way, and he's certainly been a hero of the sport. But, uh, you know, that's the reality of the sport. I mean, that's why so few people go out on top. You know, that's why it was such a big story for Habib to do what he did because we just don't see it very often. What other fights should fans be looking forward to watching this weekend at UFC Vegas? Uh what are we, number 10, number 12, <laughs> UFC Vegas, number 13? Yeah, no, listen, I mean, there's no question. This one, this, yeah, I don't even know. I've lost track of them all. There's no question <laughs> this one's all about the main event, man. This, this, this one's all about the legends. There's some, 
there's some talent on the card. I think there's going to be some fun fights. Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime Kevin Holland's in there, you know that's going to be entertaining. I mean, there's a couple matchups up and down the card. I, I think it's going to be a fun card, but in turn, there's nothing that's really going to be, um, you know, impactful in terms of you know rankings as much. There's not going to be number one contenders decided. This really is just kind of the send off to the legends. I like this card, and you're right. This is a send off to the legend, but I like the the card the card based on just the names that we get to see. I know that a lot of Greg, Greg Hardy fans are going to turn in, and a lot of haters on Greg Hardy are going to turn in. But the fight that I, I'm most looking forward to actually watching, besides Anderson Silva, is the co-main event: Bryce Mitchell and Andre Touchy Feely. Is Bryce Mitchell for real? I think this is. I think we get to find out right now. Is Bryce Mitchell what everybody's making him out to be? Can he take down Andre Feely? And is Andre Feely going to take that next step? Because I feel like Andre Feely has always been on the cusp of getting a big-time fight. But this is usually the fight that he loses. Yeah, no, that's a great fight. There's no question about it. Just stylistically, it should be a lot of other exciting guys. Um, to, you know, they bring kind of different things to the table. You think of Feely is more of a striker, where Mitchell really has that incredible submission game. But uh, I think both of them are the real deal. And I think you're right. It, it is going to be exciting. Uh, you know, Bryce, Bryce Mitchell, is, I've been a, I mean, I've just enjoyed that guy. Uh, from back in his World Series of Fighting days, man. Just a, a, a unique character, to say the least, and with a, with a very, very fun grappling game to go with it. So uh, that's that's an interesting one. And, yeah, like you said, Greg Hardy, I mean, uh, <laughs> it, it, he's always going to be in something entertaining, that's for sure. I mean, he's a big, scary dude, but obviously, uh, you know, you, you can't talk about Greg Hardy without uh, offending, you know, a lot of people that say he still shouldn't be in the UFC. I don't know. The guy's, the, the guy's done what he can do. I mean, uh, he, he's here, so I, I kind of get tired of that rhetoric at this point. Uh, but he's he's dangerous, man. There's no question about it. Uh, fun card coming up, John. I'm so happy that you could you could come on, take your shot with me, Matias, bro, to break these fights down and, and to give us a little recap of your trip in Abu Dhabi. I guess one last final question for you, and I kind of saved this for the end. Out of all the fights that you watched this past weekend, which one was the most surprising to you? Which one was one that you just absolutely did not expect this guy to win and it's kind of just, you know, got you shook? I mean, look, it was just, a fight result is just to be walking away. Nobody saw that happening, man. I mean, I, I don't know anybody that thought that was going to be it. So as it was unfolding in the cage, I mean, that's all anybody could talk about. I mean, that was, uh, you know, that was the headline, no question about it. And it was a little wild to see it happening and to think that, you know, his final fight was, you know, in front of very, very few people. Um, that that was nuts. So uh, that's, that's certainly, without question, the, the storyline that I'll walk away, I always remember that card from. For a second, I thought that maybe if George St. Pierre calls him out, he'll come out of retirement. But the second that he brought his mother into the conversation and him making that promise to his mother, I kind of thought that that ship just sailed yeah. because he wouldn't have brought that up if it, is, if it wasn't completely 100% real. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You don't make commitments to your family like that, especially not him. He's, he's, he's a real man of principle, and um, he's put a lot of money in the banks. So he doesn't have a financial need to fight. So, uh, yeah, man, I, I – this one will probably stick you know who knows things can change i mean maybe his family situation changed maybe they you know who knows what happens but um it, it certainly feels like a retirement that's going to stick maybe the mother gives him his blessing for another one yeah you never <laughs> know you never know no you never know hey thanks again john we have been talking to john morgan from mmajunkie.com and usa today you could follow john on twitter at mmajunkiejohn thanks again brother anytime brother there he is, John Morgan from MMAJunkie.com, joining Take Your Shot with me, Matias Babel. Always fun to catch up with John. The guy is an MMA god right now, always gets the first question. Follow Darren Till's uh, Twitter profile. He's always mentioning John on there all the time. Uh, just a quick question. That's the way John always rolls, and he gets those best questions out there all the time and starts the show off in the right step. Uh, 
kind of shocking to to know. Well, not shocking, but when John said that that the craziest surprising thing was uh, out of all the fights he saw, because you know that there was a lot of upsets, but it just goes to show you how shook everybody was when Khabib Nurmagomedov announced his retirement. It wasn't something that somebody expected. People thought that he wanted to get to thirty and O. That's what his father wanted. You know, thirty is obviously a, a different number than twenty nine. But you know, to get to that thirty and O is just is just different. So it, everything it hit, it hit everybody differently when we knew that Khabib was done in the world of MMA. But like John said, things can change. Maybe his mother gives him his blessing to come back in a couple of years. And possibly take that GSP fight, or based on what happens in the UFC, another big time fight comes around. You know, like GSP said, I'm retired, I won't come back. Well, he came back and he beat up Michael Bisping. So, you know, things happen, things change. People like to make more money. And like a lot of people who have been around this sports game for a long time, it's hard to leave and not come back. You know, you have that itch. To be a professional athlete is, is a privilege and it's something special and it's not something that you could just go do something different and and be happy about it. Khabib says that he's going to be training at AKA and he's already thinking about how to make uh, the fighter, you know, the fighters at AKA better, better fighters and he wants to be a great coach and I think he's going to be a fantastic coach and that'll probably be a gym that you, that you want to go be in if you're a young fighter because what does Khabib do? He brings principle, he brings discipline and he brings motivation but he has no time for crap and and if you are very serious about mma and and where you think you can where you can get and how what you could become in the world of mma uh go follow khabib's footsteps and that's how you will be great and you will be remembered as one of the greatest to ever to have ever done it so aka on top of the world knowing that you now have uh just a fabulous coach who will who will do his best and look at all the knowledge that he brings to the table, you know, from his father Abdul Manap Nurmagomedov and obviously Javier Mendez over there, the head coach at AKA Daniel Cormier now over there helping out AKA. It, it, that's that's a status of gold right there. So exciting news for the gym, but this also means uh, Islam Makhachev, you know, one of Khabib's brothers. You know, not blood brothers, but just pretty much everything but blood. <laughs> the guy is is like Khabib's brother. He is the lightweight who's now up and running, and he is very similar to Khabib, a very strong wrestler, a very, very strong grappler, a guy who definitely has title aspirations and thinks he is the best right now. So it, it'll be interesting to see Makachev actually move his way up the rankings and possibly take that lightweight championship belt from whoever has it. It's that that could happen, and maybe Khabib is also retiring, thinking my time is done, and this is now my brother's time to come out from the top ten and to work his way up and become champion. We know that Makachev and Khabib would never fight each other. It's that would that is never going to happen. So it actually makes me think, like you know what? Maybe this is a passing of the torch. Maybe Khabib did what he set out to do. And he understands that it's now Makachev's chance. This it's his time to become champion and to kind of throw that Dagestan reign over the UFC and to keep the ball rolling, man. You know, you know that Abdul Manap is smiling from the gates of heaven down on Khabib after the performance that he put up after submitting Justin Gaethje to his father's most favorite submission which was the triangle choke and just how gracious and how, how humble he was in victory and if i'm correct 
you know that he's smiling down even more because it's Makachev's chance to become great now and, and to be the next lightweight champion of the world. Let's see if that will happen. Only time will tell. And we will keep talking about that next week on Take Your Shot with me, Matias Brabell. That is it, guys. We'll be back next week with another great guest, more MMA chat. And I've been promising it, and we're going to get it because football season is – we're right in the thick of things now. And fantasy is coming down to the nitty and the gritty and who's going to make the playoffs. I'll give you guys some waiver wire pickups coming up next week. We'll be doing our homework on that. Y'all take care. We'll be back. This is Take Your Shot with me, Matias Burbell. Aloha.